So yesterday, I was honored to be at the ordination of now Father Sean Pullman and Father John Hayes. I've known fathers, the fathers um, for a long time. In fact, as I sat in my pew with only 15 people in front of me, about three quarters of the way back at the cathedral, uh, under the circumstances, I couldn't help but think of the first time I met uh, now Father Sean. Uh, he was serving. I was there for uh, uh, Mass. I was preaching on vocations. And I know instantaneously this is a young man that may be called. The good thing was he knew he was called too, so that made my job a lot easier. So I think I met him when he was in like the fifth grade. So I've known him for a long time. And so it's with great joy that I was able to uh, witness his giving his life to Jesus Christ and, and to, to become a priest of our church. And, of course, uh, Father John, too, I've known for, for a while, uh, not quite as long as Father Sean. Um, but as I sat there, too, I began to reflect on my own seminary time. Part of it is the, the deacon, Deacon Rick Christensen, who uh, uh, announced the gospel, read uh, at my ordination, my second reading, which was the same second reading that deacons or fathers had. Uh, it was a beautiful celebration. But I sat there thinking about... Uh, one of the, uh, knowing that this weekend was Trinity Sunday, uh, our class, I don't know if other classes had it, but our class took it upon ourselves to call this particular weekend Trinity Sunday Heresy Sunday. Because it's so easy to preach and to delve into heresy when we're preaching about the Trinity. We want to make sense of it. We want to make sense of who God is. And so we have all sorts of things. And you might know the story of uh, St. Patrick of Ireland, who picked up a shamrock and said, this is like the Holy Trinity. There's a problem. If you take that analogy too far, you fall into a heresy, which is modalism, that God is three parts. God is not three parts. God is not divisible. God is three persons, yes, but not three parts. Or, uh, or you probably have heard of the, the egg analogy, that there's the yolk and the white and the shell, or you've probably heard the flame analogy, or you've, you know, apple, or uh, there's all sorts of analogies, and they all fall. They all fail. They, in, in the end, we can only say that with these analogies, that there are three things in the one essence, but if we take it beyond that, we get into trouble. And why is that? Well, it's because our minds cannot grasp who God is in and of himself. We, we know who, that there is a God. We can uh, use philosophy to come to that under, understanding. St. Thomas Aquinas does that. He gives us five particular proofs, one from contingency, which I happen to like the best. The fact that there's anything shows that there must be somebody who created it. Or the unmoved mover. The fact that things change and move there cannot be an infinite regress. There has to be something that started that out. Or St. Anselm gave us a proof that, that God is the greatest of which can be thought. If there's anything that's greater, that, is, that by necessity must be God. So we can use philosophy to come to understand there must be a God. But what that God is, who that God is, what he's like, we cannot fully understand because it's a mystery. And so often when we hear the word mystery, we think Alfred Hitchcock or, or Agatha Christie or, 
or um, it just jumped out of my, my mind, uh, 321 Baker Street. You know who I'm talking about. Um, elementary, my dear Watson. Sherlock Holmes. But that's not what mystery is in the church. Mystery is something that points to God, points to who he is, and mystery ultimately comes from the Greek word which means to shut one's mouth. That in the presence of mystery, we cannot say anything because we cannot fully understand. We can spend our whole lives trying to, but we cannot fully understand. We cannot fully rasp. St. Thomas Aquinas reminds us, if we think we have God all figured out, most likely we do not. Because God is mystery. God reveals himself to us as Trinity. We cannot figure it out. We cannot uh, come to that conclusion on our own. Well, we can read Scripture and we can say there's hints at it, of course. But even Scripture is revealed to us. So what do we celebrate today with this Feast of the Trinity? We celebrate how God reveals himself, his internal reality. That he reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As so often I've heard, and actually a number of years ago I was actually approached and told that I should not be talking Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because it's such patriarchal language. You know, after all, what do you do with people that have bad relationships? I don't want to reveal too much. Uh, bad, bad relationships with their father, and they said, like me? Oh, yeah. What we have to remember when we're talking about God, that God is not judged by human standards, but rather humans ought to be judged by God's standard. If any father has failed us, and unfortunately, sometimes they do, whether they mean to or not, if somebody fails us, that is not a failure of God the Father. And the God the Father is love. God the Son is love. God the Holy Spirit is love. We hear that in today's gospel passage. God is love. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, not to condemn, but to redeem us. The God loves us perfectly. And that God in himself is a union of three persons united perfectly in love that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is a language that, by the way, Jesus Christ himself gives us. He reveals the Father as Abba, Father for himself. He speaks more of the Father's love than anywhere else. And because he does, of course, derivative, all the apostles do. That God is love in and of himself. And so often, I, with that particular individual, the, the, this individual said, well, Creator, Redeemer, Sanctifier, and it is a pet peeve of mine, I have to admit, because that's not who God is in and of himself. That's what God does. But furthermore, there is the teaching of the church, the longtime teaching of the church, that when one person of the Trinity is working, all persons are working, each in their own way. Let's take those three acts, creation, redemption, and sanctification. In creation, if we look back to Genesis, we hear it in the beginning. When God created the heavens, he spoke the word. John tells us the word became flesh 
that Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the Son, is the Word, and we hear how the Spirit hovered over the waters. Even in Genesis, we have a notion of Trinity, but all three members of the the Holy Trinity working in creation, of bringing order out of chaos, of creating out of nothing. All three persons are at work, not just God the Father. Or in redemption, the key moment of redemption, of course, is Christ on the cross. But the redemption occurs because Christ is offering himself to the Father for us, and he can only do so with the aid of the Holy Spirit. All three persons working at redemption. Or sanctification. St. Athanasius today in our Office of Readings points out that even the gifts of the Spirit are given by the Father through the Holy Spirit, but because of the Son. And those gifts are what sanctify us. All three persons are active in sanctification. So it's not sufficient to reduce God as Trinity to create a Redeemer Sanctifier. Because that's not who God is in and of himself. In a little bit, we will announce our creed again, as we do every Sunday, every solemnity, as we ought to do frequently. Hopefully, if we're praying the rosary every day, at least once. And that creed reminds us that he was begotten, not made, Jesus Christ. And that language helps us to understand how God is Father. God, the Father, begets the Son. The Son is begotten by the Father. That's their relationship, that Christ is not created. There was never a time, and even to talk about time when we're applying it to God is is, kind of gets into a little heresy, not necessarily. Because there was, God existed before time began. There was never a time when God did not exist in Trinity as three persons. There was never a time that God did not exist. There will never be a time when God will not exist. He is eternally Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or, if you like the more technical language, perhaps, eternally the the begetter, the begotten, and the Spirit. Eternal. That's who God is. Can we understand that fully? No, we can't. But the beautiful thing is that in this life, in this life, already we can have glimpses of it as we experience God's creation, redemption, and sanctification, that all three persons are working in us day after day. And after this life is done, if we are faithful, if we take the grace that that the Trinity is giving us, if we live with that grace and we die in that grace, we will see him face to face. That's something that Moses himself did not enjoy. And we hear about it today as as uh, he God the Father or God reveals himself to Moses. But if you read the full story, Moses says, Let me see your face. You cannot see my face and live. Instead, hide in the cleft of the rock. I will cover you with my hand, and after I've passed you, I will uncover you, and you can look at my backside. Moses longed to see God face to face, to understand God in his fullness, but even Moses could not. 
But after this life is done, we will see God face to face. And we will love him for all eternity. Not fully understanding how he is three persons and one eternal being, but with mystery, stand in awe, maybe silence, maybe singing the eternal song of the angels.